Rise and shine. It's butt whipping time. It's time for the Morning Blitz with Ross Volkmer. That broadcast school has really paid off. Talking everything sports from the preps. Parker Christensen, two fists in the air as Golden Plains defeats the one seed and sixth ranked Wheatland Grinnell Lady Thunderhawks. To the pros. Runs the option, left side, Russell's got his hole. 10, 5, touchdown Denver. The Blitz is presented by the insurance agency, Equity Bank of Hoxie, Quinter, and Grinnell, the Cowboy Corner Express, and the Farmer State Bank in Oakley. Stop what you're doing and listen. Smith-Marsat, who gets his second touchdown in as many weeks, this time for 43 yards. Play fake for Danucci, and he throws a ball that is caught with one hand by Albert Ogwegbuna. Oh, my goodness, the catch of the preseason. 3-1 pitch is lined to a diving Hunter Goodman, who got it, and that's the ball game. Into right field, and that's well hit, and that is gone. And Velasquez has a two-run home run to make it a one-run game. Curacao has not allowed a home run at the World Series. Challenge to And welcome back inside the Morning Blitz, everybody. It is Monday, August the 28th. Glad you could join us on 1025 U-Rock, the Rocking M app, as well as nwksradio.net. Full show ahead on this Monday, where we'll be continuing our area high school preview coaches conversations uh, with Weskin head football coach Brett Clow is going to join the program uh, coming up here uh, at the bottom of the hour. I think we only got about three school, four schools left. we got Weskin. We'll, uh, all, we'll visit with, uh, well, I think a little bit more than that, Golden Plains, Triplanes Brewster. Uh, we still have to get to uh, Goodland and Colby. We'll get to all those coming up here this week. We'll have to double dip tomorrow and once again to make it because I, I think we're going to try Michael Brunson on Thursday uh, to talk about Nebraska football as they will kick off the upcoming 2023 season on Thursday of this week. So uh, we got a full slate of shows ahead this week. Glad that you're with us. Hope you had a great week and hope you enjoyed those cooler temperatures. My gosh, uh, it was, certainly was nice to get some temperatures below 90 degrees. Uh, I was able to sit out on the back patio and enjoy some of that, both a little bit on Saturday and especially on Sunday night. So enjoy doing that, enjoying these cooler temperatures. Hope you are too. We're going to stay in these semi-cooler temperatures for a couple of days. Temperatures around 78 today, maybe a little bit cooler even tomorrow in some spots. And then we'll start to warm back up for the weekend, which isn't all bad. You know, If you want to get out of town for Labor Day weekend... Maybe go to the lake or do something like that. Maybe some warmer temperatures would be good for that. So uh, that's what's happening here uh, this week weather-wise. Uh, but once again, glad you're with us. As always, if you want to be part of the Morning Blitz, the best way to do so is through our text line. Get your thoughts, comments, questions, opinions in on the text line number 785-899-2222. Besides Brett Cloud joining the show today, we will talk uh, We'll talk about a busy, busy weekend in local volleyball Many area teams getting their uh, seasons underway with triangulars on Friday. Some teams went to tournaments on Saturday. 
Uh, Colby Community College was at a big tournament this weekend as well. We'll get to all that coming up a little bit later on in the show. But I want to start the show off talking about football. And the biggest thought I had about this weekend as I was getting ready for the show is that football's back. You know, and I, I, I really, you know, I know preseason football is is was going on, and, and I get that. But to me, obviously, you know me, Mr. College Football Guy. We have college football this weekend, which means college football back and is back. And on top of that, we had high school football jamborees on Friday, and in more particularly, Goodland hosted Colby, Ellis, and Norton uh, at Cowboy Stadium for some jamborees, which I was there watching a uh, majority of that. So. Uh, it was. It's just great to have football back. It's awesome with Friday high school football, Saturday college football, all pretty much from one thirty till you know you went to bed, and then you know had some NFL football on Saturday as well. A few games on another game on Sunday. Uh, it's great. And starting really on Thursday, uh, we'll be back in the full swing. Thursday will be the first of what is what five consecutive days of, of football and of, of college football and then you just got a couple days off a Tuesday and Wednesday out before the Chiefs kick off the season against the Lions so so much going on and uh, so glad that we've reached this point of the year but I just want to start off with football being back and, and, and just some thoughts from the weekend of football starting with the Jamboree uh, specifically the Jamboree of of uh, Goodland's Jamboree that hosted once again Colby Ellis and Norton and There are a couple big takeaways I had, and I'll start with Goodland here. As these things stood out to me, Goodland had the biggest roster there. Uh, That's the way it looked to me. Uh, And I think Goodland has somewhere over 40-some-odd kids, 40 to 45, maybe even a little bit more than that. I didn't get an exact number. But that was the biggest roster there. It was bigger than Colby. It was bigger than Norton. It was bigger than Ellis. Now, it makes sense to be bigger than Ellis and Norton because they're in smaller classifications. Norton, Norton, I think, is a 2A. They might be 3A. Uh, but last I checked, Norton was a 2A. Ellis, I believe, is a 1A or 2 is a 2A school. So 1A, 2A school. So those, you know, those teams there are, you know, they're supposed to be smaller. And Goodland, and Goodland looks like the team though. Usually in the previous years, Goodland's roster size has been smaller though. You know, you're looking at uh, Goodland, a, a 3A school with a roster size of 35 kids. And it looks like they have 10-plus more than that this year, which is great because it's a game of attrition. You need numbers. You need kids to be able to fill out a JV team so you get that experience uh, at the lower levels. You don't need freshmen and sophomores playing varsity right out of the gate in a sport like football because of the contact and the you know the size, the physicality, the, the differing sizes of athletes. You don't need that. You need enough numbers to put together a good JV squad so you can get a good JV schedule in, and Goodland certainly has that. And so that was a big take was the roster size. And probably even rarer was the overall team size. Now, every team has some big kids. Don't get me wrong. But for some reason, and maybe it was just me the way it looked last, in the lighting of Cowboy Stadium, which isn't the best, but just looking at it and saying, boy, that looks to be the biggest team out on the field out of those four. From like 1 through 45, from the from one kid to the far end of the other side, if you were to look at just the entirety of the roster, Goodland had the biggest team there, body size-wise. Big, big, Goodland's got big kids on the lines, bigger-looking kids on the lines, some bigger-looking spots at some playmaker positions, whereas other schools might have one or two big offensive line or decent, or decent I should say, size linemen and maybe a couple of playmakers that are pretty big. So Goodland had, you know, that was the biggest thing. They had the largest roster, and they looked to be the biggest team there. 
at least out of the four teams that were meeting at the Jamboree on Friday. That was just my opinion looking at it on Friday night. You know, on top of that, you know, uh, Goodland looked pretty good, I thought, overall, both offensively and defensively. Lincoln Cure looked pretty good. Had a couple of nice grabs from uh, Manny Gonzalez. Went took, took him into the house for six. Had a nice grab along the sideline. Manny Gonzalez, not the most powerful runner, but very quick. Able to get some good points, uh, get some good yardage and score. Uh, sorry, get some good yardage, I should say, and, and and be good around the line of scrimmage a little bit better. So, you know, I... Overall, a decent a decent showing. I don't mean it's it's a jamboree, and even though it looks like real football, because it pretty much is, I'm not going to sit here and say that that just because the way they look at the jamboree, it's going to result in a phenomenal season. That we don't know. We're going to find out more here on Friday when they kick off against Ray. But of the four teams there, I thought they looked the most impressive. I'll just say that. Of the four teams there on August the 25th, they looked like the most impressive team. Now, that doesn't matter a whole lot when you reach September 29th. That doesn't matter a whole lot. I looked in the jamber. you got to continue to get better and stack days and get better each and every day. But Goodland, I thought, overall looked good. They look like a good-sized football team. They look like a football team. If they can continue to get more physical up front in the trenches, to use their speed and quickness at the playmaker spots, I think they're going to be fine. I, th- I got a little bit of concern about you know stopping the run. This new defense to, that they're running for Goodland, they've, they've got to find a way to stop the run a little bit better at times. Um, they're pretty decent against the pass, but you can definitely tell they're still trying to figure out how to run this new defense and, and the, iter- the, the, the details of it. So that was thoughts there. Uh, thoughts on Colby, you know, seeing them play for the first time in the Ryan Mosier era, uh, you know, they didn't look anything different, like schematically wise, than what they've done in previous years, which is fine. But they definitely look different when it comes to just size of, of players. You know, the offensive line. There were five. Of course, there's five guys in the offensive line. Two of them look like offensive linemen. Two of them look like they should have been playing on the JV team. And that's no offense to those guys. They're just not big. And it doesn't take big guys to be good on the line. It's all about leverage anyway and technique. But you're looking at size and. You know, Colby just did not does not have the big size up front. They they have bigger guys at the skill position spots. Whether it's Guy Tubbs at the tight end wide receiver or this, I don't even know that they don't have rosters there that I didn't pick one up. But number eleven for Colby, he looked like a big kid uh, that that they were able to hit a couple times. They don't, they don't, they've got bigger guys at the skill spots, and that's what Ryan Moser, when we've had him on earlier this in the summertime talking about his team was about how, you know, we don't have a lot of size in the trenches. We got our bigger pieces are at the skill spots, and that's fine. But it's hard to especially run the football when you don't have a great size. And they did not run the ball that great. Now, Zane Betts was not in pads. He was there. He didn't look hurt. You know, he's probably their most proven returner from a season, from the last few seasons. Zane Betts has been a contributor since he was a freshman. And now he's a, now I believe he's a senior, if my memory serves me correctly. And you know he didn't play in the jamboree. Maybe that was the thought of, hey, we know what we have in Zane. Let's not risk getting him hurt here. Let's keep him fresh, and we'll roll with that. And that's fine. But it's he's going to have to have a year where he's going he's probably not going to get the best best blocking, and he's going to have to just find his way uh, around that. I just I, I don't see Colby having a great rushing attack this year. Could be wrong, but just from what I saw in the Jamboree, don't know if it's going to be a great rushing attack. Passing wise, they got to hope that they give their quarterback. I think it's Casey Carroll gives him enough time to throw the ball. 
He can throw a good ball. He's a good presence in the pocket. He's a big body kid in the, in the pocket. But they have to find a way to give him time to get the ball to the big playmaker because he's got big targets to throw to. He's got about two or three really big targets to throw to this year. You just got to get it in the facility, in the vicinity of those guys, and they're going to go get it. So that's nice, but he's got to have the time to throw it. So I could see Colby having a year where they're going to score some points on some big plays because they got big targets and those guys can move well. But consistently running the football, I think, will be a challenge this year for Colby because they just don't have the size. And, and you know, they really don't have the size defensively either up front. So they could be having an issue trying to slow down on the teams that want to run the ball. We'll find out more. But uh, as the season progresses on, once again, it's not about what's going on on the 25th of August. It's about what's going on on the 29th of September, you know, when you're, when you're in the middle of this season. So just some just some overall thoughts on the Jamboree uh, from Friday night, at least here in Goodland, was there watching it. And it was, it was interesting to just see a few of those things and a few takeaways from that. Uh, continuing f- thoughts on football here in segment one. I know we usually do weekend winners and losers, but uh, I would have just pretty much talked about football anyway. So we'll just skip that and get right into football. Uh, and college football back on Saturday, watched a majority of the games. I didn't watch any Louisiana Tech and... FIU. I didn't. I watched a little bit of Jackson State. Uh, Jackson State's games. I, I, I watched a little bit of that. I watched a majority of a few other games that were on at that point in time. And here are a few just quick takeaways from the games that I watched in college football. Um, Notre Dame had the first game over at the uh, Aer Lingus Classic in Dublin, Ireland. Notre Dame dominated Navy. Dominated Navy. I mean, the final score was what forty-three to three. Or 40, 40, what was it? Yeah, I think it was 42 to 3. That was the score. 42 3. And I'm pretty sure that the over under was like at 49 or 44 and a half at kickoff at some point in time. But it was, that, that was dead on. Dead on by Vegas. They, they know more than anybody. But Notre Dame dominated Navy. And the biggest reason why is because they were so much bigger. Just look at Shiz. Notre Dame's running back. Um, and running backs, period, but particularly their starter, and I, I'll butcher his name when I say it. Um, Estimi, I think is how you say his name, his last name, Estimi. He he was as big as some of the defensive linemen that Navy have. And and I know that, you know, in the Naval Academy and in the really the military academies that you have, you know, some size restriction on some things. Navy's had some big guys in the past, but Navy just looks so small. D offensive linemen, defensive linemen, backs, they look so much more. Notre Dame looked huge in comparison to them, as one would expect. And they took advantage of it. They ran all over Navy uh, in that game, absolutely dominated that. Um, so that, that was a big thing. The size difference stood out to me in that game. And also, quarterback Sam Hartman, the transfer from Wake Forest, looked great. Four touchdowns, looked like he's going to be the star player that Notre Dame fans are hoping for, and an experienced quarterback that has over 30 over 3000 career 3500 career snaps of college football experience. He looks like he's going to be the real deal. And and also he looks a little bit like touchdown Jesus. To be honest with you, if you look at Sam Harmon taking his helmet off, he's got that full beard, he's got kind of the shorter hair. Uh you know, it's still it's it's longer, but you know, it's not like down to past his shoulders, but it's like almost down to his neck, a little bit shy of that. He looks a little bit like touchdown Jesus. It, it's kind of fitting. As <laughs> us watching that, but Notre Dame dominated Navy. They were the bigger team. They were the more physical team. Um, the new Navy head coach is the defensive coordinator or was the defensive coordinator. And 
His team didn't tackle really well. They they didn't because Notre Dame just ran through arm tackles. It was it was pure Notre Dame domination in Ireland. Uh, another big storyline from College Football this past weekend. How about UMass? University of Massachusetts wins a season opener for the first time in 40 years. That's right. It had been since 1984 that UMass had won a college football opener. They beat New Mexico State 41-30 in a bit of a wild game that had some big plays and some odd plays. But it was just entertaining to watch and see. It really was. And UMass, not only that, did they win a game for the first time in 40 years, a season opener for the first time in 40 years. They had won three games total over the last four years combined. Three games total. When you throw in the last four years combined, three games, and they get one in their first win of this 2023 season. Cool, cool thing to see. Cool for Don Brown, former Michigan defensive coordinator, now the head coach of UMass. A very cool thing to see for UMass football. Tough break for former, you know, Minnesota head coach and Kansas native Jerry Kill, who's the head coach of New Mexico State. His team just, I don't know, they didn't have an answer for, uh, it, it looked like one of those games where New Mexico State didn't exactly know what to prepare for, and UMass caught them on guard, off guard, especially offensively, and they didn't know how to slow them down. So a big win for UMass on Saturday. How about Hawaii and Vandy? Probably was the game of the day, I would say. Um, it was pretty darn entertaining. Huge game for Vandy's Jaden McGowan. Had close to 200 total yards. Had a kickoff return for a touchdown. Had a receiving touchdown. He was he played really big. And former KU wide receiver Stephen McBride, who plays for Hawaii, had two touchdowns for the Rainbow Warriors. But that was a good game. 35-28. Hawaii's got a new head coach in uh, Timmy, or is it Tom, Timmy Chang, who was a former quarterback there in Hawaii. Did a pretty good job and, and you know gave Vandy all they wanted on the road. And Vandy has a very unique stadium this year. Once well, again, because they're they're doing a whole bunch of improvements on their end zone uh, sections, you know. So they've got uh, a scoreboard hanging from two cranes, uh, as well as the net that catches the the field goals. They're hanging from a couple of cranes. Uh, there was a big storm that went through, the, which is why the game started late. And so it was funny because those the scoreboard was the video scoreboard was whipping in the wind. <laughs> so. You know, they're in the middle of a big remodel there at, at Vanderbilt, and uh, it was just kind of interesting to see some of those things going on there at Vandy. Uh, and then a couple more things on college football. USC wins big, but that Trojan defense still needs more work. That was the biggest thing. Going into this year, everyone talked about how USC can be a college football playoff contender and a champion if they can fix the defense. It didn't look like it in the first game. Now, they're playing a very, very good quarterback in Chevron Cordero from San Jose State. He's very good. Didn't have any turnovers. Think he had three, four, three touchdowns. But that defense needs more work. And they're going to have a lot harder teams to face and more complete teams in the Pac-12 this year with teams like Oregon, Washington. Um, those teams there are, are in Utah. Those are all very good football teams that are way more complete than San Jose State. And if they struggled against San Jose State like they did, even though they won comfortably, once again, the final score was uh, 30, let me see here, sorry, 56-28. Um, that's against better competition. It's going to be a much more close game. On the bright side for USC, they still have a plethora of playmakers, and now you can add Zachariah Branch to the list of phenomenal-looking players. He looks like a young Reggie Bush. 
232 total yards for the freshman wide receiver out of Bishop Gorman High School. Two touchdowns as well. One of them, he had 66 return return yards from on three punts. So that's 22 yards return. Had a 90-plus yard kickoff return for a touchdown. And he had, he had a couple receiving, he had a couple of receptions for a touchdown as well. He also had a carry for 12 yards. He can do it all. Look out for Zachariah Branch here in the 2023 season. Uh, and Caleb Williams looked just about as typical as he did, the defending Heisman champion. And then final thought on college football here, Ohio SDSU, which I thought would be the game of the weekend. It wasn't. It was ugly, mostly due to the fact that Curtis Rourke, who's Ohio's quarterback, a really, really good quarterback, got hurt in the first quarter. Looked like he was going to have a season-ending knee injury. It's actually not as bad as people thought. Now I saw it read on Sunday. Um, so that was why that game was ugly. They're kind of playing backup quarterback for Ohio and a, a first-time starter for San Diego State. So it was an ugly game. And also, you know, there's been lots of talk about San Diego State becoming a Power 5 team. And with all this talk about being Power 5 squads, you know, like there's talks about San Diego State becoming a, a Pac-12 member. Okay, fine, cool. But... SDS, if you're going to be a, a Power 5 member, it really helps if you have a decent following. And it was a season opener, beautiful weather in San Diego, and my guess is that place was a third full for the SDSU-Ohio game. In the future of college athletics, it's more about what do you draw when it comes to eyeballs for your television numbers, your ticket sales. What do you draw? That's the future. Does your brand sell real, real well? And I don't know if San Diego State is in that at this point in time. So that was just another th side thought I had. And finally, in the NFL preseason wrapped up as well. Chiefs, amazing comeback. Down 19 at the end of the first quarter. Come back and win 33-32. Backup quarterbacks, Shane Bouchelle, Blaine Gabbert, looked a little bit rougher. Had three touchdowns, also three picks, and uh, two of those going for pick sixes. So a rougher outing for the quarterbacks, but still a great comeback for the Chiefs, who finished the preseason 2-1. and one. And the Broncos, they dominate in their final game of the preseason. At home against the Rams, they shut them out 41 to nothing. Defense was stifling. They had 159 yards of defense allowed. Really, really good. Offense was humming behind backup quarterback Jared Stidham, and Ben DiNucci did, well as, did good as well. Backup wide receivers and tight ends, as not many starters played at all for the Broncos, looked good. Albert Akbuwegbunam, Looks really good. A uh, couple of the backup wide receivers look good. So Denver flashing some depth in a dominant win over the L.A. Rams, who also played a lot of backups, but it was a dominant win. And as we go to break, just a friendly reminder, I went 3-1 and one on picks this weekend. Uh, I took the under for Notre Dame and Navy. That was a win. I had San Diego State cover the 2.5 over Ohio. Had that as a win. Uh, I took the over on 66.5 for USC and San Jose State. That was a win. And then I had Vandy covering 17.5 over Hawaii. That was my lone loss. So 3-1 and one on the weekend. Pretty good start. After going 20-19-1 and 19 and one overall last year, off to a hot start here this year. 3-1. and one. There you go. Our picks of the week. My picks of the weekend. And like I said, great that football's back. Love it, love it, love it. If you love more football, we're going to continue to talk it next. And our next segment is we're visiting with Weskin head football coach Brett Clough. He'll join us next here on the Morning Blitz. Stick around. More to come.